Welcome to the Lawrence Steinberg Wealth Management Audiocast, where we cover market updates and provide commentary during this difficult time, specifically for you, the client. We speak to our firm's philosophy, our criteria, our strategies, and how we're approaching today's market environment. And by the end of the discussion, we hope you have a stronger sense of clarity and confidence surrounding how we're positioned and are leading through these unprecedented times. Welcome back. I'm Liam Card, Senior Vice President here at Steinberg Wealth. And today we're going to dive into part two of our discussion on fixed income and high yield bonds. We're going to update you as to what's happened in the credit markets since our last audio cast, what's changed and how it impacts investors. And we're going to compare government and high grade bonds versus high yield year to date and going forward and the opportunity in fixed income, specifically where we see value. I'm here with our president, Lauren Steinberg, and Phil Armstrong, Senior VP of Fixed Income Investments. Lauren, I'll start with you. And before we get into all the updates, let's take a step back here. You've been investing in high-yield bonds for 30 years now. What has that experience taught you over such a long time in this asset class? Thank you, Liam. High-yield bonds have been an excellent asset class over the long haul for investors looking to add fixed income to their asset allocation while earning significantly higher yields than government bonds and GICs. Of course, be it stocks or bonds, whenever an investor is earning returns above the risk-free rate, uh, government bonds, which today is close to zero, one does understand that the trade-off is increased volatility. Therefore, as with any investment, the key is always to have a long enough time horizon and at times a strong stomach, as recent as investors can attest to recently, so that the volatility evens out in the long run. Also, no different from equities, diversification is critical because, as we all know, not every investment will work out as planned. A number of clients over the years have asked us why we hold so many bonds in the high yield fund and why don't we just focus on those with a higher yield. The reason is simply that our goal is to preserve capital and generate a reasonable return as opposed to chasing higher returns by increasing risk with the fewer bonds in the portfolio. All important points there. So let's turn the focus now to what's happened since our last audio cast. Phil, can you give us an update on the high-yield bond market since then? Sure, Liam. Uh, well, the uh, high-yield market continues to experience a lot of uh, recovery and improvement. High-yield returns are up about 15% from the low in March. Uh, most importantly, uh, the high-yield market focus has largely shifted from the uh, healthcare tragedy and economic costs to the impact of government support and economic recovery. The focus has increasingly shifted to what I would call the other side. In fact, even on the healthcare front, there's been a shift from the daily data of infections and deaths, the potential for vaccines and treatments. This shift has really accelerated recently. The evidence is that the bonds that have been the laggards, the most cyclical bonds, or those most impacted by the virus, have now also come back very strongly. This is a good sign. Is the high yield market back entirely? Is it back to normal? No but we are getting, I would say, much, much closer. And Lauren, the central bank, uh, the Fed in the U.S., is stepping in as the lender of last resort. What does that really mean for companies and for investors? Well, the recent moves by the U.S. Federal Reserve and other central banks have provided a huge amount of liquidity to companies and investors. As COVID unfolded and markets plunged in March, the Fed realized that no one would benefit if otherwise sound businesses had to close their doors just because they did not have access to capital. By backstopping the markets through bond buying programs and other measures, this gave investors confidence to step back into the markets 
knowing that the central bank will support markets and investors as needed throughout the situation. One result has been a record inflow into the high-yield bond market as fixed-income investors see the excellent opportunity that high-yield bonds continue to offer in an environment where 10-year government bonds yield less than 1%. And Phil, besides the recovering high-yield market, which we've touched on, what, what's changed in high-yield since our last audio cast? Well, there's been a number of things which have changed uh, since the first audio cast. In fact, uh, Lauren just mentioned them. I'll go into a little more detail. The government stimulus from the corporate bond buying back programs in both Canada and the U.S. have started. So far, the purchases have been pretty limited, as there's really been no need to ramp them up to their full potential, as the corporate bond markets are pretty healthy. Governments actually started buying back uh, both high-grade and high-yield corporate bond ETFs in mid-May. I believe the Fed purchased about uh, $3 billion by the end of May, which is well below the $50 billion they can purchase. So there's plenty of room to expand that program if needed, which is a very good sign. The U.S. government also just started purchasing individual corporate bonds just over a week ago. And again, uh, those purchases are expected to be fairly limited, uh, given the relatively decent shape the corporate bond market is currently in. There's also a historic record amount of retail investor money flowing into high yield. In the last two months, we had some of the biggest weeks on record of retail investor fund flows into high yield bonds. This has resulted in a record $50 billion of new investor money flowing into the high yield market since the March low which has really helped to drive the market higher. Uh, New bond issuance is also up significantly. Uh, That is somewhat matching the new investor money. We've had near record new bond issuance from companies. Uh, This is very good news as companies are able to finance themselves, adding money to their balance sheets to cover debt maturities and providing funding to carry them through the pandemic. It's providing them with some financial insurance. On the other side of the coin, uh, credit rating downgrades of high yield companies has risen. But after initial uptick, uh, downgrades are now slowed significantly, which is good news. It says that the deterioration that we had experienced in the high market has not accelerated, but may now be actually under control. This is also reflected in the number of bonds that are trading at distress levels. After initially rising, the number of bonds trading at distress levels is now back down to normal levels, which is also very encouraging. Related to that is that high-yield company defaults have also moved higher, but those have also recently slowed. I think uh, what is important here is to add some perspective uh, as by far overshadowing the increase in credit rating downgrades and defaults is the fact that the economies are opening back up. There are large retail investor fund flows into high yield and there's massive government support. I think these three positive factors have been much more important drivers that have pushed the high yield market higher. And going forward, they are likely to continue to be the most important high yield market drivers. Phil, we read a lot about fallen angels in the news these days. Uh, Perhaps you could talk about and explain fallen angels. Sure. Fallen angels are companies that were rated high grade, that experienced some credit deterioration, and then fell down to high yield. This has increased recently or over the last few months because of the pandemic. There's been about $160 of fallen angels, which sounds like a lot, but that's a pretty normal level for the current economic environment. Our Ford Motor Company is probably the highest profile example of a recent fallen angel. It was a high-grade company and is now a high-yield company. There was some concern that if too many high-grade companies dropped into high-yield, that would have a negative impact on high-yield. That has not been the case. In fact, there is no evidence that fallen angels have had any negative impact on high-yield. In fact, they provide, I think, very good investment opportunities as historically fallen angels have done very well for investors. Uh, we are looking at a few of these fallen angels as potential uh, good investment opportunities. Okay. Now, Lauren, you mentioned bonds not working out from time to time. Yes, bonds can default. But what does that really mean for companies 
and for investors. Well, Liam, as I mentioned, I mean, the key to any type of investing is to have a diversified portfolio. Unfortunately, not every stock an investor is going to buy is going to go up. And the same thing is true with bonds. Unlike stocks, uh, which can go to zero if a company isn't successful, it's important to remember that bondholders rank ahead of shareholders in the capital structure. So they have much better protection if a company runs into problems and generally receive a pretty decent partial recovery, at least in such situations. The high-yield bond market uh, has averaged about a 2% uh, annual default rate over time. And every high-yield investor is going to have a default or two somewhere in their portfolio. But the key is a default does not mean a zero. You're still capturing some value. And Phil, since our last conversation, have you made any changes to the portfolio? Uh, We've made no real changes to the overall high-yield investment strategy. We will continue to invest in, as Lauren says, a well-diversified portfolio. Uh, We look to invest uh, through economic and credit cycles with the emphasis on long-term returns. We are, however, looking to see or to assess uh, if we need to sell any names that that may have been good stories before the pandemic, but due to the long-term impact of the virus, might not look as attractive. However, we have also used this market opportunity to buy a number of bonds that dropped in price to add to the portfolio. We added a few positions that were on sale or became cheaper. This included a company called Russell Metals, which is a Canadian industrial metal manufacturing distribution company. We got that bond 10 price points lower than where they were previously trading. Uh, The company is a market leader uh, with not too much debt and positive free cash flow. We also added uh, MGM Resorts, which is one of the world's largest gaming and entertainment companies. The company generates very good uh, cash flows and has a lot of asset value in the hotels and properties that it's owned. It is already on the way uh, to recovery. Uh, We also bought uh, Calpine bonds at much lower bond prices. Uh, It is a large U.S. electric utility. In fact, it is America's largest generator of electricity from natural gas and geothermal. Uh, You know, utility companies are very defensive and have the wherewithal to succeed through all kinds of economic conditions. All three of these uh, recent investments are already turning out to be good investments as they are all trading at prices above where we bought them. That's great. Now, Lauren, let's look at the opportunity set today in fixed income and where we see value. What's the outlook for returns, specifically comparing government bonds and high yield bonds going forward? Well, Liam, we're in a pretty unique situation, uh, have been for the last few years, but uh, even more so today. As we all know, government bond yields, 10-year Government of Canada bond yields are about one half of 1%. And we don't see those yields rising significantly over the next few years. Therefore, government bonds offering you lower the inflation rate and no one can live on a half of 1%. So high yield bonds, which have always offered significantly higher yields, today are offering a significant upside and far more than compensating for the risk and volatility as long as investors can maintain a five-year time horizon. But the same thing is true for stocks and any other type of investment that is going to give you more than the government bond yields. And Phil, what's the key takeaway for investors uh, from this discussion from your standpoint today? Well, I think the points I emphasize on the first call still very much hold. The first point I made was that high-yield bonds historically bounce back pretty significantly and often quickly after a big drop. And so far, that seems to be true again this time around. In fact, I think this crisis created a very good high-yield buying opportunity. I also made the point, which uh, Lauren just made, that uh, in this low interest rate environment, and we are essentially at zero, high-yield bonds represent one of the few areas in fixed income where you can earn decent returns above inflation. And that also remains very true. 
I would add uh, with this discussion that has really paid to stay the course. The market sold off sharply quickly, but it's come back fairly quickly. Uh, you know, it may take a little more time to get back to exactly where it was, and there will likely be some long-term impacts to certain pockets of financial markets and the economy. However, we seem to be, as I said before, on the other side. This market has been a very good example as to why investors should remain long-term focused, which remains good standard advice for investors. And Lord, what do investors need to remember when investing in a high-yield strategy? Uh, Liam, I I think Phil has covered off the points very well, but the key for stocks, the key for high-yield bonds, no different from real estate, that stay away from the day-to-day noise. Remember that you have made long-term investments. As I told clients, if they had seen the price of their house in March when the markets were collapsing, they might have panicked about that too. But a typical client would then tell me, but Lauren, I'm not selling my house. And my response was, is exactly the same. And let me tell you, I'm not selling my high yield bonds just because the prices are down. And sure enough, if we've done our homework, then we end up with a portfolio. As Phil mentioned, the key is always stay the course and remember that you're a long-term investor. Lauren, Phil, I appreciate you taking the time today. And if any of our listeners have any questions, please feel free to reach out to us anytime. Our contact info is on our website at www.steinbergwealth.com. And be sure to join us next time when we turn the focus back to our global value equity strategy. We're going to update you on what we've done in the portfolio over the past six to eight weeks, how we're positioned and prepared, and we'll highlight some exciting pockets of value, including a few of our Japanese names. 